everybody and welcome to episode 38 of Mistress Bubble. My name is Francisco and with me I have of course the one, the only, the almost topator, Spider Space. I, How are you doing? I hate you right now, man. <laughs> like that, that, that is like such a fucked up little like, <laughs> dude, I, uh, okay, all right. So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, like we, this is not a tournament report. Okay. This is, this is okay. like, like we can do the tournament report, but just know that I lost a game because my cat jumped up <laughs> to where my mouse hand was. And literally I was on the, the, the top eight bubble. And after that match, I wasn't okay. And that was towards the end of the tournament. So cat over spider damn cat one spider zero i guess it's like dude like what a little jackass he's already like (laughs) like this cat got more attention i i have a so i have an extra chair in my room and sometimes my brother will come and sit in it you know he'll watch if i'm playing magic sometimes sometimes the cat comes and hangs out with me i've had many a cat accompany me for for magic tournaments or, well, it's two cats, but they've accompanied me many times. And this was the first time, I, I think I like I, I had it on the other side. It's usually on my left side, but now it's on my right side where my mouse hand was. And I guess he was pissed off that my round started because I stopped petting him. And so he just jumped up there and was like, hey. And, and I, I clicked the wrong card and yep. We can call it the cat incident. We can... We can talk about it in detail <laughs> when we talk about the <laughs> tournament. But uh, first things first. And uh, what a couple of weeks that we had in Modern, huh? Uh, we had a ban announcement, which was weird, I guess, and slightly disappointing in a couple of different aspects. But um, yeah, apparently... They think that everything is great, but they needed to ban Midhook Massacre in Standard, which is irrelevant because nobody plays that format. But a little bit more relevantly, Yorion Sky Nomad is gone. No more Yorion in Modern. The actual reasoning for it is because shuffling is too hard. (laughs) That's literally... That is literally the reason why they banned the card. And it's really funny because we've seen the Yorion numbers go down and down and down as the meta adapts to it and just like straight up beats it. Like creativity destroys the deck. Even some random decks like Titan Shift and like, you know, Timor Scape Shift uh, rose to prominence like a couple of weeks ago. And now is the time where they banned this card. Like this, this has been around for years now, and now it's apparently the time to ban this card because it's too hard to shuffle and rounds go to time. Even though like Commander is the most popular format in Modern, which means that people are used to shuffling hundred card decks, but apparently eighty is too many. I yeah, I hate like okay, all right. Here's here's how I feel about this. I think that companions are heinous and the idea of banning one is fine. Like, I feel like this should have just happened when they banned Luris. But in terms of actual, like, metagame performance, 
they went with the like how should i put it the the top sort of logic or like the kci logic where it was like it's too much time right but instead of actually focusing on that and talking about how it's like bad for tournament logistics or these kind of things it was literally like players aren't dexterous enough so we're banning it i like like I'm I'm fine with this card being gone, but their logic is dog shit. Like it is just straight garbage. I'm sorry, but that like like what? Uh, also, just just I know we're a modern podcast, but like quick aside of like oh yeah yeah legacy and pioneer are good. They don't need anything. Like did you know leyline binding is like dominating legacy? Because I had no idea until I read that. Yeah, so I've been actually playing a fair amount of Legacy lately because I've been just having fun with a deck that I found. Uh, and the fact that they named Leyland Binding as a card that impacts Legacy is just not only infuriating, but it's just straight up insulting to <laughs> the people who play the format. Just like, don't say anything. Just just yeah. don't say anything. Like it's the most obviously out of touch thing. And this is what really like you know they they have like the popper uh you know group of people that help curate the format or whatever. Uh, the popper panel I think is that they call it. And when they go with it, when they make a move, like they help, you know, to, to to make sure that the format is is healthier or whatever and they help with figuring out what to ban or what not. And when they when they wrote the um, like an actual article explaining the why the bannings, they're pretty thorough and like their reasoning makes sense and stuff like that. And here it was just the most complete opposite thing. It's like nobody in Wizards has played Legacy in three years, like straight just, up. Yeah, at all. Straight up. Yeah. And they also like they said yeah because Delver is only nine percent of the metagame and they're using league data. <laughs> or it's just like, of course, in leagues, it's only nine percent of the meta game because we're all playing bullshit decks in leagues. <laughs> that's that's what leagues are for. <laughs> right. But when you go and you play a competitive legacy event, Mer- like uh, Blue Red Delver is like twenty five percent of the meta game, and it's like twenty five percent of the top eight or better. So it's really irritating. It's just like, just don't say anything. Just say, we don't want to ban anything in Legacy because we don't care about this format. Just say that. They don't. And they really, like, they truly don't. If you ever had a doubt, the fact that you can actually play Mind Goblin in Legacy, like, like you can use stickers. And I, I hear that it's actually a playable thing. Yep. So now you have to go to a Legacy tournament and not just, like, expect it out of a meme because it is a good meme. But people are just legitimately going to go and play Mind Goblin against you at a legacy tournament. They were like, yeah, you gotta you gotta bring your sheet of stickers. But uh by the way, Yorion, not in legacy, but definitely in modern dexterity issues. Also, what's Commander? Yeah. It's it was such a confusing announcement. Because it's just like, what they said in terms of like, what actually changed is like, okay, whatever. Like, I would like more changes. Um, but just don't give me this bullshit, right? Like, yeah. this is yeah. this is just a slap in the face. That is, is. that is the annoying part of it. 
Um, just if, if you don't want to make any changes to legacy, that's fine. But just don't don't give me this bullshit, right? Like th- don't tell me that uh, you know Ledger Shredder and Leyline Binding are are saving the format, so everything's fine now. <laughs> yeah, I will say. Okay, the Yorion ban coming coming back a little little. I'm gonna try to focus us here a little bit. Here. Yeah, let's let, let's stop just like going going ham at how irritating the legacy thing is. But so right. yeah, let, let's right. let's let's focus here. Ignore their logic about why they're banning Yorion. They've they've banned Yorion. What does this mean? So obviously the best Yorion deck far and away was four color control. And there have been a lot of flavors of this deck. We would see the deck evolve to beat itself, and then the meta would kind of collapse in. So you'd have, like, you know, at the top clunky end, you had, like, the Elementals build. And at the low end, you had, like, Ragavan and Counterspells. And we've had everything in between with, you know, uh, Traverse the Ulenval in these Traverse packages or Counterspells. Some people even had Archmage's Charm. thousand different builds of the deck. And it seemed like none of them... It really didn't matter which way you did it. Like, the deck was just always good, right? But with this banning, you have to refocus. And I think that deck gets hit more than any other. It's kind of funny that it got hit because the deck was trending down in current modern. Like, creativity had risen as the new top dog. That was sort of like the perceived best multicolored deck in a large part because it preyed upon four-color control, which now took another hit, which ironically I think is actually bad for creativity because they're trying to beat that deck, and now that deck got hit. Having said all that, it's my my opinion, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. Maybe you disagree. I think four-color control is definitely still playable, I don't know what the correct build is. Maybe we didn't know before with Yorion. Maybe we still won't know. I'm not sure. I thought that people would be cutting a lot of the cute stuff, like the Traverse package, which would include Bobble as well as Traverse itself. Um, I thought that people would be cutting Abundant Growth because you don't have Yorion flicker value. Having said that, I've also seen notable four-color players like Respect the Cat still playing that card his logic was that he didn't want to lose to blood moon and you want something to bounce for card advantage with the fairy which is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. i don't think people know quite how they want to approach the deck exactly maybe you just go to full elementals i also think there's an honest argument that this deck actually in a weird way got kind of better like against the field because you didn't you didn't have room to do all this like bullshit like you don't have room to like i'm gonna put eternal witness time warp and ephemerate in my deck because i can right like now your deck is 60 cards unless you're memeing so like that's the only reason why you'd ever play 80 now right so you're playing 60 you draw your ren and six on time way more often you draw your teferi way more often these are these are like good things for the deck. Uh, I think the biggest part that's bad for it is that Omnath with a fetch land doesn't just automatically have a mana sink in Yorion, right? So that was a huge play pattern before where you would just have all this extra mana, you immediately put it into Yorion, and you drew like two, three, four cards. Maybe you killed a couple things on the way with your Solitude or your Fury, 
and you would just immediately destroy any other mid-range deck. So now we will have a couple responses, and maybe the meta has more blood moons if they're not on abundant growth. But also, more importantly, other mid-range decks will be played. So people might return to Jun Saga and decks of that nature. Yeah, that I think it's a really big aspect of uh, the changes that we're going to start to see. And uh, that's what I've been actually trying to do personally. You know, uh, in the past, I was trying, you know, decks like Naya Lance or Black Green, uh, The Rock with Elvish Reclaimer and Ursa Saga and stuff like that. And those decks were always kind of fine, but your opponent revealed Yorion and you would just, you know, get just look for that concede button and just move on to the next match because you were basically dead on arrival. Like, there was nothing you could really do to keep up with the card advantage that uh, that deck was uh, was generating. And also, there's this imminent... Uh, I mean, and this, this like was always the issue with Companions, right? We had the same thing with Lurus, uh, you know, back when that was legal, which is the game starts and they reveal the Companion... And now you know that that's there. So from turn zero, it's entirely warping the entire game around itself. I mean, of course, this applies to the good companions. Like, obviously, if your opponent reveals Karuga, you just, like, shrug and go ahead and win the, win the game, you know? But uh, but if you if, if your opponent actually revealed one of the good ones, then all of a sudden you, you have to plan your entire game around, okay, so... I need to deal with this, then I need to deal with this, and then I have to save something so that I can kill the Lurus or the Yorion. Um, otherwise, I'm just gonna straight up lose to it because like those those uh, companions would give you some um, some kind of like an overwhelming uh, card advantage to the opponent. So now you don't have to do that anymore, which means that yes, there's gonna be uh, you know four color decks that are gonna have the same shell, you're still gonna have your Omnath, you're still gonna have your Solitude, you're still gonna have your Teferis and Renan Sixes. Like, those cards are not going anywhere, and that archetype is still gonna be alive. Now, they are just not gonna have that inevitability. So, if you were planning on playing a mid-range deck, like, for example, the Red-Black Scam deck, and sure, obviously, like, the deck is called Scam, so they could cheese the, the Yorion deck out of the game, but if everything sort of worked um, evenly for calling for, for calling it somehow you know like every everything sort of goes back and forth in terms of you know okay you, you get griefed but then the grief get, gets answered and like we we continue playing the game um, so in that kind of scenario obviously the Yorion player was going to have the advantage because in the late game it's just like well scam player is like trying to top deck and now the Yorion player has like a great uh, a great uh, not even top deck <laughs> just like just put this one in my hand so now that they don't have access to that i feel like the mid-range matchups are going to get a little bit harder but at the same time and this is something that it's kind of like the Hogak effect, right? Like when they banned Bridge from Below and they forced Hogak to be built better and then like the deck won even more. <laughs> so uh, this feels like it's going to be one of those scenarios in a way because we were talking about decks that would prey on this archetype. Stuff like Creativity, stuff like Belcher, stuff like, you know, uh, the, the Grinding Breach deck. Like, these decks would get paired against the Four Color deck, and the Four Color deck would have, like, three Cyber cards that they would need to find in their 80-card deck, and they would not be able to see it in time. Like, maybe they will find it eventually, but, like, 
you need in every of those decks you don't have the time to find the card in 80 cards you know so just naturally finding it much more often is going to is going to significantly improve this deck's win percentage in in terms of uh the, the it's bad matchup. So what I feel like is going to happen is uh, this deck's bad uh, good matchups are going to get a little bit worse. This deck's bad matchups are going to get a little bit better. And instead of having more lopsided matchups like the Urian version had, uh, you know, where like you will get paired against uh, you know a deck like Redshot, it was like you are like ten percent win the game. You know, uh, so we were going to have much less. Um, polarized matchups and everything's gonna get a, a little bit more towards the middle uh, which i think it overall may straight up help uh, the archetype uh, which is a funny funny thing to say because you're still pretty much bigger than all the other uh, all the other uh, mid-range decks and in the past the problem was that if you were playing a four-color deck and you were able to be better against the combo decks or you wanted to be better against these other decks you would effectively can see the mirror if you are not playing Yorion. So now you don't have to worry about playing the, uh, to, about playing Yorion anymore. You can play your 60 card deck much more focused. Uh, you can play, you know, uh, your, you're going to find your one mana remove spells more often, which is great when your opponent is going to be trying to ragaman you. Um, you're going to find your... <clears throat> your Boseju whenever you need to Boseju a Tron opponent out of the game more reliable with Ren and Six. Uh, so the issue now becomes we now have to figure out the right way to build a deck. And I think that's going to take a while. The main reason is because, well, in the past you had all these cards and you could basically fit everything you wanted so you you you, you know you want a traverse package yeah throw it in there like why not now if you're playing for mission's bubbles now things get a little bit more awkward if you're trying to play one mana removals that you want to draw on time so you don't get ragavan out of the game right so if you're playing your bubbles maybe you need to be cutting down on lightning balls or on prismatic endings and all of a sudden, you don't have the removal spell on turn one. Ragavan hits you. They and now they're holding up counter magic, and everything kind of like snows snowballs from there. So I feel like, in a way, we may be uh, you know in a situation where right now everything is very up in the air and not really uh, it's not really solved. Like it's it felt like the four color deck was was not necessarily solved, but it was always sort of solved for the week, you know? You would choose like the version of four color that you wanted to play and you would just go ahead and you would you would have a stock version. Uh, for for that, okay. If you, I want to play the counter spells version this week, okay. So there, there's a stock version for that. I want to play the recent version this week because I think it's better, okay. So there's a stock version for that, like stuff like that. Um, figuring out those stock versions is going to take a minute, particularly because one thing that can become a, a little bit problematic is going to be figuring out the mana base, right? And that is very, very much an issue because when you're playing 80 cards, you get to play more fetch lands and you get to play all the actual lands that you want to fetch. So in 80 cards, you could very easily throw in there like a Sagoth Triumph or whatever, like basically a bad dual land that casts no spells in your deck, but it made your Leyline Binding uh, cheaper, right? Like you, it allowed you to cast Leyline Binding for only a single mana. Uh, and this was something that people were doing. So... Now, that is not going to be so free, because if you put a Psycho Triumph in your deck, 
that could have been maybe like a breeding pool or that could have been like your one Boseju. And now instead of having access to that, you have like this pretty, like basically a bad breeding pool that you can't get untapped if you need in the early game. So I think that it's going to take a minute to figure out the correct way to build the deck and what to focus on. Like, do you want to go uh, like more towards Fury and trying to like get a Traverse Package and a Holy Heat and try to enable Delirium better? Do you want to try to go more controlling? Uh, we're definitely going to be talking about uh, the ninth place uh, list from the from the showcase, which is doing exactly that. It's trying to go for like a more mid-range slash control approach uh, with like a bunch of removal spells, not so many creatures, and just like killing with, with like Jace to My Sculptor and stuff like that. So... Um, there are going to be very many different approaches, even even stuff like the um, the Elementals deck that we saw in the past, right? Like here, Elementals, that Canister was uh, completely dominating before Yorion took over, right? Um, so we can... It's going to take a minute for everything to sort of settle down a little bit and for people to figure out what the stock versions are going to be or like how to properly build those stock versions, I guess. And once they do... I think that four color is just gonna be one of the tier, at least one point five decks in in the format. Yeah, I don't actually think it meaningfully changes its place in the format in the sense of it's still just one of the best decks. It might not be perfect for that weekend. You know, maybe you lose some percentage points against green black rock, but you know you're still playing all the best cards in your deck, and they're playing. You know, you, you get Renin Six and Expressive Iteration while they get Liliana and Elvish Reclaimer, right? Like, not that those cards are bad, they're just not four-color busted things. I'm loving this, by the way. Dave's like, respect for Reclaimer. Damn it, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, But, no, I, I, I do think four-color will still be good. And, you know, we see Bullwinkle getting ninth place with the deck, meaning, you know, he easily could have been in the top eight here the record was good enough to be in the top eight um it's yet to be seen if this is like the go-to build um while people figure this stuff out and this is exactly what we see in the tournament i think there's going to be a lot of people who are ready to punish you for making missteps and you know maybe you fetched wrong or maybe you built your mana base wrong um you know, maybe you're more susceptible to Blood Moon. Uh, certainly what's going to happen, like even Bullwinkle's list here only actually has four removal spells for turn one, unless you're willing to pitch your Fury or your Solitude. And let me tell you, when you have to do that to remove a monkey, it doesn't feel very good. And it's going to feel worse than it did before because you don't have the card advantage safety valve in Yorion. So yes, they have Kahira, and yes, you can recoup a little bit of card disadvantage with Kahira because you know you buy Kahira, and then you you pitch Kahira to Fury or not to Fury to uh, to Solitude. Um, that helps, but you know it's easier to monkey this stack now. It's easier to Blood Moon it, and those things are good. You know, in in the in the showcase, I would say monkey decks far and away. You know, came out of the woodwork. All, all the Merktide players and Grief players were like waiting for the moment that they could get out from under Four Colors' thumb. Um, those are the two most represented archetypes in the top thirty-two. We have four blue-red Merktide, four black-red Grief, uh, also two black-red Scamless Scam, 
as people are calling it, uh, <laughs> meaning you know, they're not doing the like pitch elemental style, but they're still just you know turn one Ragavan. Maybe they have Blood Moon, maybe not. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's a good spot for those decks. I wouldn't be surprised if people actually return to Death Shadow a little bit, though that one's weird because I always felt like Death Shadow was better against four color than Murktide was, but I who knows. So uh, to wrap uh, this up uh, before we move on to the actual the actual showcase results, um, I do think that you know you don't need to sell your Omniaths in <laughs> in despair just yet. I think that it's a matter of you know take it easy. Uh, if if you don't have the time to figure out yourself, slow down, wait for somebody else to figure out, and somebody will. <laughs> Somebody will yeah. figure out how to build this deck, and it's gonna be pretty good. So I don't think that you need to just quit modern just yet. Um, I mean, unless you want to, like you can do whatever you want. But uh, I don't think that you don't have to quit because of this. Um, and I think that if anything, this is gonna overall help. Uh, also, because. It is true that shuffling 80 cards is a pain in the ass, you know, particularly when you're trying to go find your one-off lands because every land in the deck was a one-off. So uh, that that's a very welcome sight. Even though that's, you know, th- that that was one one of the things that they said and I, we, we mocked it in the beginning of, of this podcast, it's nice. It's definitely a welcome thing. Yeah. I mean, the real villain here is obviously Renin Six that makes you fetch every single turn. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, don't worry about it. Yeah, if it feels like, you know, uh, what's the, 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 do you see the meme of the, like, the police that's coming into the, like, in, into somebody's house and, like, the guy is just like, hanging out in a, in a wardrobe <laughs> or something? Uh, it's exactly that, you know, it's just like Renin Six just hanging out over there in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the world of I mean it's it's funnier if you look at the meme but you know whatever uh, anyway so let's actually talk about these uh, th- this showcase challenge which happened this past week which is the first uh, wave of results that we get after the Yorion band which became legal on Tuesday I think or maybe it was the Monday itself I don't know but it doesn't matter whatever Blue Red Murktide that is the deck that uh, really came back in a really, really big way. And we have an actual mirror in the finals. So, what do we think about uh, about this? Like, what happened? Why is Murktide back on top? Well, Murktide, I think, is the go-to, just, like, fair, really good deck that... You know, it was getting beat up on by four color. If you think there's going to be less four color, maybe that's the move. I don't know why we don't see more hammer in this event, because my perception going into this event was that the two best decks were Murktide and Creativity. And I don't think hammer is favored against Creativity, but it's definitely favored against Murktide. And I'm surprised that people didn't act on that. Maybe I'm Maybe it's the classic, like, how many levels deep do you want to go? And it's also worth noting, maybe I was wrong, because we only see two creativity lists here. And, you know, if creativity doesn't have four color to prey upon as much, then maybe you don't need to do it. Um, Merktide's just good. It it was good. It is good. 
you have a matchup that was somewhat unfavorable for you becoming less prominent, you know, that just sounds like gravy. Yeah, and one thing that we see in both of these uh, deck lists is main deck Blood Moon. Two in the first place list, one and one Dressdown main deck in the second place, uh, twin list twin in, in second place, and Mattia Rizzi in first place. So this is very telling. And obviously we talked about this multiple times on the podcast. Blood Moon is great. Tackles creativity. Now if people are trying to mess around with four color, now they're actually going to get God because they don't have abundant growth to, to rely on. And it kind of feels like barring stuff like uh, Leyline Binding, which Blood Moon is, by the way, also pretty good against. Um, but barring stuff like Leyline Binding, Merktide feels pretty damn good again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even Mattia Ritz's uh, first place decklist is only playing two Merktides. And I do wonder if this is precisely because of that. It's just like, I just don't want to get caught by Leyline Binding, so... Just go down a little bit on Merc Dice, bring in some DRCs and Ledger Shredders, try to try to rush them out um, early, and that kind of makes sense to me, actually. Also, they play better with Blood Moon, right? Like, you don't want to ha- have Blood Moon in play and, you know, try to be playing towards Blood Moon and then be stuck with, like, Archmage's Charms and Merc Tide Regents in, in, in your hand, right? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. You don't see any copies of Archmage Charm in either main deck, which also makes a ton of sense because you can't really do it alongside Blood Moon. So, and yeah. you don't and have I, to. And you don't need the card advantage versus Four Color either, right? Right, right. You don't need it as much. So, I mean, yeah, I think Merktide's still good. I like the move towards being more aggressive. Both of these did that. Their numbers on Shredder versus Merktide are flipped, where you see. Three Shredder, two Merktide, and the reverse for the Twinless Twins list. Um, I still don't think people know the correct number of these. No. I think it's just like, do whatever you want. It'll be good. Everybody's just guessing, but there's actually no wrong answers, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of guessing game you want to get into. Uh, okay, so uh, moving on to the third place. This is what exactly what you were talking about. Uh, the the scamless scam, but dude, there's four lightning elemental in this deck list alongside three Torak and two Unearth. I don't want this. This deck list is it. fire. Jeez, like what? But but why? Like <laughs> like isn't isn't Turok the like I'm gonna beat four color move? I I like and what is Skelemental beating? I don't understand. Dude, like Skelemental is beating all the combo decks. I I think it's funny you say that because I played a combo deck. I played against this deck, and I I, I don't think it was this person, but I got Skelemental and was like, "That's cute. You tapped out. You're dead." <laughs> well, uh, maybe it doesn't work as easily as uh, making it sound right here. Uh, no, no plan is perfect, but uh, you know this deck is playing some like Dothy Voidwalker, some Croxus, Skelementals, as I was saying, even three copies of Call Against Command alongside four Inquisition, three Totsies. So this is like destroy your hand dot deck, like 
it's most of the deck is like discard spells and <laughs> shit. Yeah. Most of the spells on this deck can actually attack the, the opponent's hand, uh, which is feels like overdoing it a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's in third place here, so it can't be that bad, right? I, I believe this person was actually undefeated in the Swiss. That's sick. So <laughs> that, that is so sick. Um, yeah, like th- this deck looks honestly, it looks like such a great time. But it is exactly what you would expect of a red black, you know, mid range Jundi style deck. I don't know why though. That's that's the part I'm missing. Like, what is what is this deck preying up preying upon? I guess that you are main decking the Dothies, so you have that aspect to it. Um, I feel like Dothie is a legit, really, really good card right now. I feel like most decks are either using their graveyard or like Dothie just lines up well. Like even against stuff like Rhinos, you know, they make Rhinos, then you make Rhinos. <laughs> so like Dothie just lines up really, really well against uh, against like most of the top decks in the format right now. Um, probably the only exception would be creativity, but like even against creativity, like exiling all the lands when they're trying to like red and six things, like that's not terrible. I actually disagree. So for a couple reasons, the first is this deck can have multiple creatures in play. You know, maybe you have a Ragavan and a Dothy, or maybe you have a Turok, maybe you have, maybe you season Pyromancer, right? You can pretty easily kill an Archon with your Terminate, or, you know, in, in, in this deck's case, I don't think they're actually on Unholy Heat, but a lot of these decks are on Unholy Heat. So if you can kill the Archon after, then you have your own Archon, that's quite good. Also, the sort of go-to build of creativity right now is, can it doing the like inbred thing where it's like okay i'm gonna play persist because persist is good in the creativity mirror so that i have more archons versus you so if your deck is you know built to try to discard archons dothy says hello you get him you get him yeah, this card is, feels like it just does so many things. Also, the fact that it beats down and it pressures plane, Planeswalkers really well is very, very useful sometimes. I have gotten beaten down by this card multiple times. <laughs> so I've been impressed. This deck has Unearth, but the scam lists I've been really impressed by Dothian because they'll take your card and then they just like are playing all these undying effects. So they're like, oh yeah, I'll go ahead and take whatever your highest impact card is, and then I still have Dothy, and it's larger than before. Yeah, now it's a 4-3. <laughs> it's pretty sick. Uh, yeah, I think that this card is... I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like, for, for the card to be a little bit underplayed, because, like, BB is a hell of mana cost. Like, not every deck can, can make that happen. Uh, but it feels like this card is, is, is the real deal. Like, one of those... Um, I don't want to say sleepers, but one of those cards that is extremely, extremely good, and it's one of the cards from MH2 that really has been creeping lately, you know? We saw this with Dressdown, right? Like, Dressdown becoming, like, an extremely impactful card, and nobody kind of thought of that back when, you know, when when the spoilers were happening, and it took, like, a year before people are like, 
wait a second, like this card is sick. This does everything. And Dolphy, I feel like we're getting to the point where it's kind of the same effect, where it's just like, wait a second. Like if you can actually cast this thing, this is messed up. This is like a main deck card right here. This not only a main deck card, but like a main deck banger. I I've been wanting Rip Bear for so long <laughs> and Dothy is just better than that like it it, it, yep. it, it hurts me <laughs> yeah because it's BB which is apparently I, I mean don't, don't we fear black is these days is a worse color than white so I, I don't know black can have something yeah yeah it's okay it's okay we, we, we accept that all right going on to fourth place I love this <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. Goblins, dude. Red, black, goblins. And this is a deck obviously um, reinvigorated with the, the printing of the Lord, but this deck plays no copies of the Lord. So, <laughs> turns out the deck was great all along. I guess. I do love that this deck gets the Orvar tech for creativity, and you're just like, yeah, I'll matron up Orvar. Go ahead and oh, cast is, your creativity. That is so sick, dude. Imagine put put uh, put creativity on the stack and like you either a vial <laughs> your uh, matron. Uh, and you oh that's that's delightful, man. That's such a great feeling. And for what is worth, I, I was actually um I was playing some elementals the other day and I didn't think about this, and somebody on Twitter was like, why are you not playing Orvar since you're playing Eladarmi Skull? I'm just like, that is sick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to like get rid of Kahira. Like, this just works. It's amazing. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Orvar being the go-to anti-creativity tech where you're not looking to cast it, they, ca- they put an Archon in, and then you just discard Orvar, and then you have your own Archon, and because creativity is a sorcery, you untap with the Archon first. So you essentially get two Archon triggers. Yeah, yeah. So this is like the new uh, hotness right now with the, in, with the Rise of Creativity. And this is obviously because all the creativity players are on the Archon Prime. So uh, how do you feel about this, uh, Spider? As, as, as our, our local creativity uh, enthusiast, um, is this like as good as it seems like is this really hard to play around from the creativity side um is this worth just reverting your deck building going back to like Emrakul, seras the uh, yeah, angel so what's, okay what's the name of that whatever the name uh, of the angel is sarah's emissary emissary thank you yes and no is the answer i i think that this card is better in some decks than others so i think this card's better when you're playing it in a deck like this where you can tutor it easily right so if you're already playing eladomri's call if you're already i guess playing goblin matron um i also think that it's better in decks that have access to solitude because i think the emrakul juke is going to be the most common so if you're the creativity pilot and they just like you know you're playing against murktide right and you were like man i wanted just one extra thing against creativity so you put orvar in your deck and then your opponent was like hey unholy heat kills archon anyway you know what you know what unholy heat doesn't kill it's it's emrakul so it gets a lot more awkward there when they do do that juke and then you just 
can't do anything about it. Um, part of the issue is that, again, and you've heard me say this a bunch, where there is no like one creativity deck, so certain lists are going to be able to play through it better. If I like thought sees you and I see an Orvar, I can do a couple things. I can take Orvar, and I get or like you know if you tutored it, I guess it's different. But if I like thought sees, I could just take it and then you like get to ramp right. And I don't who knows how impactful that is. Um, or you can just wait, and if your opponent's low on cards in hand, like if Orvar is the only card in your hand, say, and your opponent just like creativities for two. Yeah, you'll get an Archon, and you'll kill an Archon, but you're not going to untap with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it'll just still die to their Archon. So, it like, it is good against creativity, but it's not like you just put one creativity in your deck, and you get to, like, you know, slap the tank and, like, ah, matchup's good now, right? Um, I, 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 it, it's not Emrakul versus Mill, right? Yeah, fair enough. One thing that I always thought it was kind of interesting is not only what you said in terms of, um, you know, the two Archons in order to get around it, but also a way for the creativity deck to get around Orvar is by bringing in Veil of Summer, right? And then you can Veil of Summer the, uh, I guess, Orvar trigger, <laughs> like the, the Orvar Archon trigger. But this only really works if you're getting paired against a deck that is either black or blue, right? Because otherwise you're just stuck with this Veil of Summer. So I guess that Orvar is even better if you're not playing either um, black or blue. Or like this deck, I guess, for example, is, is playing black, but are you really bringing in like Veil of Summer versus the, the freaking Goblins deck? Like, what, what are they going to do, you know? <laughs> I don't think Veil is the way you want to play around this. Um, it's a clone, so Hexproof doesn't actually beat it. The Hexproof will stop the original Archon trigger. So they'll get Orvar. It'll copy your Archon. You can, you know, even if you've already Veiled, you won't get hit by the Archon trigger, but then they'll still untap and then attack you with Archon. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess you would need two Veil of Summers or you would need like, what? Like a Veil or something on something else to sack her or whatever? Right. Like, a, I mean, and and that, that actually is something creativity can do, right? Like when you have Fable and also just a fetch land is always a dwarf, right? So it's not exactly like creativity is always soft to an edict. Yeah. That, in fact, it feels like it's not that soft when you act. Yeah. Somehow we ended up talking about creativity while talking about goblins, but uh, yeah, goblins. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a good deck, man. Like this, this deck always feels like it's just so close to being great. And uh, this time it had a, it had a very good run. Four Legend of the Void, four Blood Moons in the sideboard. That's a, that's a strong statement. I like that. Um, but uh, yeah, this is just just goblins. It's I, I love that it, it managed to, to to get into fourth place. That that's fantastic. On fifth place, we have uh, an oldie but a goodie. This is demonic tutors, the man himself, uh, getting uh, all the way to the top eight with uh, you guessed it, Yakmoth. And this is just uh, the classic. Uh, Yakmoth that Tudors has been playing for a really long time now, and it feels like he top aids every other challenge or something like that. Um, the only spice that we have in this deck list is 
one shouldered in the sideboard, which I read he posted on Twitter that it was the worst card in his deck and he would never play again. Yes, he d- he did say that. I I think Yogmoth is just great, right? Like I think Yogmoth. In my experience, Yogmoth has been favored against Creativity, which was one of the again big decks I thought was going to be f- for this tournament. Um, the other thing about it is like you just have a reasonable Murktide matchup. I I don't know where people are at with that. Like if they think like who's favored there, but it's at least reasonable. Um, I also think it's good against Hammer because you just you know you have your Yogmoth, you have things that can chump forever. You bring in sideboard force of vigors like it, it it just gets better so yeah i think this deck's still just quietly one of the best decks in the format and people just don't play it for how good it is yep singing the praise of of, of yakma is kind of like what this podcast is all about <laughs> <laughs> we've been trying to convince you to play yakma for years at this point Anyway, sixth place, another Merktide region. We talked about how Merktide was really taking over um, this weekend, and here's another one. Here we have two Blood Moon main deck alongside two Archmage's Charm. This one gets a pretty pretty strong no-no from me, but hey, I guess if you don't draw your your charms when you when you resolve your Blood Moon and vice versa, you're gonna be fine anyway, huh? You you just you draw two with the charm, which draws you the blood moon, and then you cast it. That makes a lot of sense, man. That's just that's just how <laughs> that's just how good deck building works. It's just how it works. Um, one thing that I wanted to pinpoint real quick is invasive surgery as a card that people have started to uh, play in the sideboard of Merktide, and uh, obviously this is uh, for the uh, four color matchup, right? Uh, for the four color for the cascade matchup, sorry. And it's basically like a one-mana counter for the escape spell that also, if you have Delirium online, it's effectively a surgical extraction as well. Uh, But it kind of works in a couple of other scenarios. Um, I feel like you may want it against... uh, I mean, maybe bringing it in the mirror for expressive iteration may be a little bit too much. Uh, but (laughs) But there are other sorceries that see play every now and then, like creativity or bring to light so cards like that uh, can randomly i mean you're not playing invasive surgery because of bring to light right but if you do get paired against bring to uh, like a scape shift deck you're gonna be like oh sick <laughs> this <Yeah>. is awesome <laughs> for sure so that's just something that i wanted to point out uh seventh place we have uh yeah now it's time for creativity um, this is as you were saying the per- with the persist version which is as you were saying the the mirror tech and yeah, it's very strong deck. Uh, I like how the more time goes by, the less mimi that this deck gets, and the more streamlined. And I know that you know the fairy is not necessarily a meme card, right? But I think that saying that it stretches the mana would be underdoing it. <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't know. I you say that. This person has four abundant growth in the sideboard. As this is how I'm beating Blood Moon, so yeah, we talked about this. <laughs> uh, we're probably not going to talk about that again. But um, yeah, I don't think that. I mean, I don't really agree with that. But what I'm saying is, I think that a clean way of building creativity makes a lot of sense. And I'm not super sold that lane line binding is is the way to go. 
How do you feel about that at this point? So I feel like it's like the same thing with four color where it was like four colors playing Yorion because you have to, to beat the mirror. And I feel like you have to play persist to beat the mirror. But if I wasn't worried about the mirror, I wouldn't be playing persist and I would be playing Leyline binding, but something's got to give. So here we are like, I don't Fair know. Enough. I actually quite like the white builds. I think you're much better against Merktide, but now you have to play Persist, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, like all of these evolutions are are kind of exciting. Like this is this is why I like Modern. It's just like everybody's trying to to one step uh, the the other person. It's 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 very it's a very dynamic thing. Um, I, I, I love this kind of modern, you know, as opposed to, you know, Heliod versus Prowess every single weekend. <laughs> I I love metagaming for tournaments. I love doing the like, okay, how many next levels do I go? Like, did I go too far? Did I level myself? And now I'm going to lose because I went too deep. Like, it's, it's, it's a great mental exercise. I feel like once you have a good, you know, handle on the format, you feel like you can play multiple decks it's it's always fun to like sit down and like okay you know I'm thinking about playing elementals but like you know maybe I should just play yog or maybe I should just do whatever like I went into this tournament thinking like hey maybe I should just play creativity man I don't want to deal with creativity mirrors where people are gonna have persists and everyone's gonna have orvar so instead I'm like all right well can I play a deck that beats creativity <laughs> yeah and that deck obviously is blue white ursa. <laughs> not but that somehow is what got into eighth place of this challenge uh, showcase sorry and i don't even know how much we want to talk about this deck like every time i look at these decks and and i feel like it, it's in the showcase man like the showcase is the highest stakes the hardest tournament to play ever and there's somebody that just registering like blue white Ursa or like blue white affinity and just top eight or wins the whole thing. And I'm just like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, I don't, I don't like, okay, here, here's how I feel about this deck. I love the Urza deck. The Urza deck is not good. I have not played this exact 75, but I'm so ready to play it and to get hurt again. <laughs> Because that's exactly the only thing that happened, you know? Like, you can only get hurt while playing this deck. I love these numbers, by the way. Like, three Esper Sentinel, two Ingenious Smith, one Sarah Paragon, one Teferi. Like, whew, these numbers, you know, someone was deep in the lab and they are like, yeah, man, three Esper Sentinel. <laughs> I, dude, one Dark Suicidal, one Cavernous Souls. Ugh, like, this mana base is awful <laughs> it's so bad 23 lands four, th four of those are sagas you're playing two racer tight bridges oh my god like this is a mess this thing is such a mess like i i love this archetype but this is i i i, can't, I could not play this deck list man yeah i just I, could not i mean and that's the thing is you're gonna go and you're like okay i could fix this i could i could make the mana better i could do whatever and then you're gonna play it and you're like it it still sucks yeah yeah anyway cool 
congratulations to Gibi two nine seven because uh, you are better. You're better than we are. Because no, I mean, Gibi is my hero. Okay, yeah. Gibi is my hero. Like no, no, I'm not. I'm not even messing here. Like they, they are my hero. Making top eight with this is amazing. Such a cool deck. I love it. I just, I'm scared. Okay, I want to, I want to <laughs> play this, and I feel like I'm just, I'm not gonna do well, and I can't do it again, man. Yeah. I would say, like, fastest two, three of your life, but the truth of the matter is that that's going to be, like, a three-hour league, dude. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah this deck <laughs> takes a while to it's win. Like slowest two, three of your yeah, life. exactly. Uh, all right, so we talked about ninth place, uh, Bullwinkle, and this, uh, again, like, this is a very, very preliminary version of four-color, and it still managed to go all the way to ninth place. Uh, basically the same record as a bunch of people that got into the top eight. So this is strong. This is not locked just yet. This is not the ideal four-color build. I mean, it can't be. It's like the first draft, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the first round of tournaments, and obviously this is not um, this is not necessarily tuned or optimized just yet. Uh, but uh, this is this is good. Like it, it, it's good enough to to get to get there. Uh, coming in at 10th place, we have some actual scam. This is like red black scam, like the one that the one that we're used to to seeing with the furies and the griefs and stuff like that. And I don't know, man. Like the more I like, the more I I, I see this deck, the more I like it. Not in the, I mean, I guess it's the opposite of liking it. As in, I think <laughs> it's really really good. And I don't like that it's so good. Because <laughs> so I hate it, I guess. <laughs> it's a cool deck. Um, all, all the scam players, I guess, were hovering just outside the top eight. There's another copy in 12th that's basically the same deck list. Um, yeah, I mean, I think scam's good. That's all I got. Yeah, I think that this deck is just... At this point, this is just a tier one deck. This has established itself as one of the main, one of the main decks in the format. Like the power level is there. Like I was very skeptical in the beginning, and at this point, I feel like these lists are just very, very good. Do you do you have an opinion as to if uh, just scamless scam or <laughs> straight up scam or better or like why you would choose to play one over the other? So, uh, I mean, I, I don't have a stock list of what Scamless Scam looks like. If the if, if it's the Skelemental deck list, then I don't want anything to do with that. So <laughs> uh, I, guess that, I guess that there's that. Uh, but no, I mean, the thing is, and, and this is kind of what I, what I imagine is what you're gaining for playing the other thing. It's similar to what we're talking about with Jordan in terms of you make your, you know, your bad matchups a little bit better and your good matchups a little bit worse. I feel like the scam versions are more high rolly, I guess. Like if if you draw well and if you get paired against uh, the the other, you know, your good matchups, you're just going to completely run them over. And while the other version is like a little bit slower and less explosive. So if you're looking for a more robust version of the deck, then you know the the other version would be better, like the scamless version. And the scam version is like the one that has the highest upside, and at the same time, it's the one that can be the clunkiest, right? 
because past past turn number one, if you're top, I mean, you can only top deck one grief, you know. And after you've used your feign death, if you top deck a fury and you're playing against like blue white control, it's just like, what are you gonna do? Like three four one yourself to put a four four into play that just gets solituded? Like that's not gonna work out, you know. And when you're making it to the to the mid to late game, you're top decking like Malaki Rebirths and Undying Evils, while while the other scumless version is top decking uh, some other stuff. Sure, this deck has seen some Pyromancer and that can help you a lot in terms of uh, in terms of like chugging through your deck and i think it's one of the main reasons why these uh, why these folks are just like going kind of heavy on the blood moons and we even see one copy of unlicensed hers in this in this deck list because if you draw them like if you draw your unlicensed hers against amulet it's just like fine just see some pyromancer and kind of cycle through it i'm a little bit surprised that this deck has not picked up um, Fable of the Mirror Breaker for a similar reason, but I feel like that's going to be related to the fact that uh, you can only have so many three drops. They So they have. They have, like, there's no, like, again, I don't think there's, like, quite a stock build of this. So some of them are on Spyro, some of them are on Fable, some of them are on a split. Um, I, I do think that the 10th place list looks pretty clean, but... I think they tend to pre- prefer Spyro because you can feign death it. Whereas, like, if you're feign deathing the last part of Fable, it's a bit worse. It's a bit slower. Spyro just draws you cards immediately. So, you know, th- th- there's definitely, like, a pros-cons list. Obviously, like, if you get to a point where you can Fable copy Fury or Grief or whatever, that's awesome. They obviously have upsides and downsides, but... Yeah, also if you're playing like K-Command, obviously Season Pyro is better. And when you are cycling, you're discarding Season Pyro, you get some extra value there. So obviously they both have upsides and downsides. But yeah, I think this deck is very, very good. Very, very strong. Um, 11th place, we have another Yawkmoth Gamer. Deck's great. Don't sleep on it. Thirteen, uh, 12th place, we have um, another Scum deck. Very similar to the previous version. This one is playing three season pyro and three fable. So again, kind of like the numbers uh, shift a little bit here and there, but the the, the core strategy is the same. Thirteenth uh, place. This deck looks unplayable. <laughs> this is this, this is so bad. Who's this guy? Speeder Spasse. Speeder Spasse at it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you play this, man. Talk to us about it. Um, I it think has a bad matchup versus Cat. We know that. Yeah, Cat, Cat, <laughs> OP. Cat is unbeatable. Um, my overall record with this deck, including this tournament, right as as of recording this podcast, I believe is nineteen and f- nineteen and four. So nineteen wins, four losses with this deck so far. Um, which is the course of this tournament, two prelims, and two leagues. If, if my math adds up. Um, I feel like this deck is just broken. Like, I, I, I've I been super impressed with it. I've been trying to tweak numbers. So things, you know, these decks, any of these breach decks have so many of these like tiny, just, I feel like micro decisions of, in deck building. And I it, it's so hard to know what's better. Like Bolt versus Galvanic Blast. 
like there's slight upside to one over the other in different situations and i have tested both i don't know which is better i have tested the grape shot over thassa's oracle which gets you sideboard gigantha i think i prefer oracle um just because you the the biggest reason is not actually life gain but if you get into the actual late game sometimes you'll have situations where you don't have enough cards left in library if you're facing graveyard hate where you're able to remove the hate and go off but now you can't actually spin enough times to then win off of a grape shot doesn't happen very often but you also don't cast or like need gigantha very often either even if grape shot is usually a better draw you see what i'm saying tiny tiny decisions um but obviously the big decision here that i've done is i'm playing green in the deck instead of white right and renin six i i don't i feel like i shouldn't have to work very hard to sell people that renin six is amazing but apparently i have to work very hard to tell people that renin six is amazing um i think this card is just the best card in the format i think it's really good in this deck for several reasons number one i think that the ragavan decks i mentioned having an uptick are somewhat just a little bit favored against breach in general i think ragavan helps there where you just you know ping your ragavan and get back a land and oh you heated it but i already got a two for one um also renin six get back saga is busted like that's disgusting and yet another also uh renin six is just the best card to turn on mox amber right it's cheap and it's hard to kill so both of those things make it pretty reliable so my list actually has the full 12 legends in four ren four emery four ragavan um i feel like this tournament for me was a great showcase of just what this deck is capable of so i'll I'll give you an example um my i i played against a bunch of kahira decks and my first round opponent was on blue-white control with domain things, right? So they had, like, Leyline Binding was really the reason they're playing Triumphs, right? I was on the play game one, and, you know, I played, I think it was, like, land, Springleaf Drum, and my opponent went Triumph, and I untapped and killed them. Like, on turn two, I killed them on turn two. They played a tap land and died. Which, that that's insane right? Like you're over here trying to play a Trium and you just died. The second game, they brought in Chalices against me and I got to do the thing where I tried to play Breach, they go to counter it, I Veil, and then guess what? Because I Veiled to beat your counter spell, I now also beat your Chalice. So I just comboed off. Gross. <laughs> it Like, yeah, th- th- this deck has been really, 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 really good for me. I I like cannot recommend it enough. I like I can't imagine registering another deck right now for a modern tournament. Like I I think that if I registered anything other than this it would be a spew. Yeah, the deck looks super clean. I was watching your stream the other day um on Sunday, I think, or Monday, I can't remember. Um <clears throat> and you were really showing it off. <laughs> uh, you were doing some pretty messed up things. I really liked the fact that like your your constructs were huge. 
and and I feel like that doesn't necessarily happen with uh, with all of the other versions of this deck. Um, I've seen you know like straight up red green version like the one Aspiring Spike was was uh, championing, and that version feels like it's a lot more aggressive, you know, with DRCs and it kind of churns through the deck uh, that way. But that version feels weird, man. Like it just feels like once it falls a little bit behind, it simply cannot really catch back up. Um, then we have the Jeskai versions, and those feel like almost more controlling. So you have like Prismatic Endings and and the Fairy Time Raveler and stuff like that. And while this version feels like it's a little bit in between, this is like the Jund. <laughs> version of uh of of the breach archetype where you do have the card advantage and you also do have uh, you know you have expressive iteration you have the red and six and you can kind of shift gears a lot better than the other two versions which which i really liked and i thought it was it was very very cool thanks i so i got to this after playing the red green build you know i i was one of the people who first put fable the mirror breaker in the red green build, I like took out Goblin Engineer and um, the Synthesizer, which I thought weren't very good. Played Fable. Fable was good, and I just kept looking at the deck and being like, "Man, I feel like Fable's good, but expressive iteration though." And Fable, you know, adding mana, discarding cards, all these things are great, but the fact that expressive iteration just gets you things immediately is a huge deal. You don't have to wait turns. You don't have to have Ren picking up lands to discard to make it actually draw things. It's just like, hey, I'm playing a bunch of zero drops and I have impactful lands I can hit. And also I can just draw my combo at any point. Like this deck, I've been at zero cards, dead on board. So zero cards in hand, dead on board. And I'll just top deck, draw breach. And I'm like, hey, I won. Like it, game over. Cool. Thanks for playing. Yeah, and I feel like, in particular, because you have access to that angle, your four expressive iterations just become so much more powerful, right? Because when you are in the late game, when you're just trying to uh, to, to sort of get, get back into the game, all of a sudden, you have so many more looks at your card that literally wins the game on the spot. Um, so iteration looks really, really good. And I feel like you just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand playing just straight up red-green as opposed to this. Um, I, I could I could be I could be convinced about playing Jeskai, I feel like. But Iteration looks messed up in this deck. It, Particularly it because, like, all your deck is just ones and twos, right? <laughs> yeah. No, Iteration's very, very good. I, I think I like red-green. And while DRC is great, and you get this aggro plan where you can, like, with the red-green build, way more often you just, like, play the breach. And then, like, maybe you don't even combo. You just, like, bolt them three times, right? And that kills them. And that's cool. But in particular, the card DRC makes the deck a lot more vulnerable to the card Endurance. Both because it stops your aggro plan while also stopping your combo plan at the same time. And it's not that Endurance is poor against this build but with all of the one-shot graveyard hate going around right now it feels like you're able to play through it a lot better so you can like 
you know, if you have like zero drop plus the combo, you go to endurance, you it's like, okay, you got me. If I have another zero drop, I just win anyway, right? Or like you can maybe sack some artifacts and see what happens, play an Emery, see if you hit the other thing, right? Um, the amount of hate that I played through with this deck is crazy. Like I, one of my matches, I beat Rhinos who force of vigored me twice and endurenced me twice in the same game. And I, I easily beat them. Yeah. So how do you beat this deck? Is like, it's just um, Stony Silence? I mean, the funny thing about this deck is that it's vulnerable to basically every type of interaction right like <laughs> you can you can thought seize this deck you can counter it you can kill the creatures you can blood moon it you can nuke the graveyard you can nuke artifacts you can nuke enchantments like it's vulnerable on every axis but that's also kind of what makes it strong because it attacks on so many axes right yeah so i guess if your opponent has the force of vigor you're just like okay embry whatever or if they have if they have like your removal spell, you're like, oh, here's a Renin Six, and here are some Saga tokens. Exactly. So I don't know. Like, probably the answer is you want a fast clock, and then you also want that interaction. So like, one of the matches that I lost in a pretty interesting fashion, involving a misclick on my opponent's end that then made me read something that they didn't have and play into it. It, it was interesting, but. I was sitting behind, they had a Blood Moon as well as an Unlicensed Hearse, and they were also pressuring me, right? So the Blood Moon meant that I couldn't use the Saga game plan, and the Hearse meant that I couldn't breach them, or at least not from that spot. So, you know, that was a pretty good way of, like, I'm coming at you from multiple angles. I will say, though, like, in this tournament, I beat Etron in one of my, I played against, e, I, I think it was this tournament, I, don't know, I recently, I know I played against Etron recently with this, and my opponent had Chalice on zero, Relic in play, Karn in play, four mana Karn, and I I won that. I combo won that game. Wow! I basically what happened is they they had to Karn to get a um, a Ratchet Bomb so that my constructs didn't kill Karn, which then killed their Chalice, and then I was able to attack Karn plus heat it for just two to kill it. And then I besajued the relic and then was like, okay, combo. <laughs> That's hilarious. And the fact that Boseju costs one mana in this deck because of Emery and Ragavan is also... <laughs> right. It's it just, delightful. It costs one <laughs> so often. Um, it's delightful. <laughs> I, I have changed the list a little bit since then. Yeah, I've been tinkering with things. I don't like it, but I think I am supposed to play the island. So right now I'm playing like, you know, four Misty, no Odawara, and I play the island. Um, I do think that's worth it, I think. Just giving you a little bit more insurance against Blood Moons means that that angle of attack is a bit worse. But I, I don't know, man. I like, I am so over the moon about this deck. I feel like I'm like living and breathing Breach. I'm just like, I, I, you just want to Breach again. Nice. Yeah, that definitely looked looked very, very impressive, I, I have to say. And you were able to... I, I mean, obviously, it, it's because you have a lot of experience with it. Would you say, like, this deck is hard to get to that level? Because you, you've actually been playing Breach for a while, <laughs> right? I remember in, when we did the Modern Streamer League, when that 
you made a Lurus Breach deck. So clearly you're familiar with this archetype and like you've been you've been playing it for a while. Like do you do you think it has like a very high skill cap, I guess? Like you you need to be actually very good in order to pilot it and do well with it? I I would say so. I think sideboarding with the deck is challenging because it's tempting to bring in a lot of things and you need to not overboard. At the same time, in actual gameplay, like basically when you go off, you can think about a lot of cards and you can think about like, how do I like, I can play around all like so many things. Can I play around multiple of these things? If I can, I should. If I can't, then I'm overdoing it, right? So like, there's a lot of tiny decisions that you make where, you know, it doesn't matter if they don't have it. And it maybe seems like you're just being cutesy, but if they do have it, then you really need to do it. So for instance, I watched um, Dingo play this deck this morning and he was able to combo off. He was worried that his opponent had endurance and what he should have done, what he did not do, you know, he resolved a breach and his opponent didn't immediately endurance. And what that meant was he had a Mox Amber in the graveyard as well as one in play to combo with the grinding station. What you should do in this situation is you should actually put the amber from the graveyard on the stack and then sack the other one so that you're perpetually keeping two, basically access to two at all times. <laughs> That's like some KCI vibes, dude, in terms of like using the mana from the, you know, from the... Fucking... No, I mean, like I, I, I have a KCI trick with the deck as well like if you have a two artifacts or one artifact is a um a, a token from from ragavan a treasure token then you should you need to click emery first on so paper this doesn't matter as much because you can just do it but on moto you actually have to click emery first and then you can pay for it with the treasure and it's at the decreased cost even though the treasure will be gone by the time it's cast nice. so th- th- there's a lot of these things like you know sequencing is really hard i also think that knowing when to switch between plans is tough like there's so many games where you have to decide it's like how do i want to kill my opponent (laughs) like do i want to try to kill you with saga should i try to force this ragavan down your throat do i want a quick emery right like i played against living end on stream yesterday and that's a matchup where i'm just i just like played control where i was like all right i've got Mm -hmm. like emery and ragavan And like, yeah, I could combo, but I'm not like, that's not my plan A. (laughs) Yeah. You even heated your own Emery with the, with the living end of the stack. So you got it back and then you use that Emery to kill your opponent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was sick. (laughs) That was fun. That was fun. So yeah. Well, I'm happy you found, you found your deck, dude. And it, this definitely looks like a good one. Definitely looks like a really, really good one. Degenerate deck. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Just like your style. And speaking of degenerate, I guess that at this point, this is just generate. Mistaken for <laughs> 14th place with Amulet. Of course, Mistaken uh, has been playing Amulet for a really, really long time. Uh, his deck lists are always very, very clean. I always... Uh, this is like a level zero deck list always. You know, like Mistaken's lists are always very clean, very straightforward. And uh, in this case, we're messing around a little bit with one Kura the Boundless Sky in the sideboard. Um, he swears by this card. Um, I'm not 
yeah, I'm not a believer. <laughs> I'm not a believer. Uh, but Tyler Strucker, though, Tyler Strucker, I think, is pretty hot right now. If people are trying to Blood Moon you, Tyler Strucker is a good place to be. Is Kura the Boundless Sky a... I assume this is Merktide tech, because it blocks Merktide and then gets your basics? Yeah, so the, the reason that you play Kura is because... Uh, so, I mean, l- let me read it, because uh, it's very likely that people don't know what this card does. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a uh, three green-green uh, legendary creature dragon spirit, four four flying death touch. And when it dies, you choose one. You search your library for actual three land cards, you reel in and you put them into your hand, then shuffle, or you create an XX green spirit creature token, where X is the number of lands you control. And of note, uh, this is an XX as opposed to a star star. So once it's in play, uh, you ca- it cannot get dressed down. Uh, but uh, at the same time, if you play more lands after it, it doesn't grow. So it actually, it's a fixed uh, power and toughness. So um, that confused me. So that's why I'm clarifying it. <laughs> anyway, so what it does is you have, you know, like a flying Death Touch dude, which regardless of the size of Merktide, it, um, it trades with it. And then it gives you value on the way out. If you, uh, if your opponent is trying to Blood Moon you, you can find uh, a Bosage or two off of your trigger. Or you can put like a big dude in play if that's, if that's what, what uh, the situation calls for. Uh, so that is kind of the idea. There's also the fact that because it fetches for three lands, you know, you get the, let's say your opponent attacks, they trade. You get the land right now. So on your opponent's end step, you bossage the Blood Moon. And with the Kura trigger, you also may have gotten a Tolari West. So you can transmute that T West to, um, to get the Titan for you to cast on the following turn. So that is kind of the idea. In practice, it doesn't quite work out that way as, as often as I would like it to, because your opponent just hits it and then attacks you with the Merktide anyway. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's uh, it, it, it's 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 iffy. <laughs> uh, the same is true with like Greater Gargadon or something like that. I'm mistaking was also playing like those kind of cards. They just they're just asking to get heated and yeah, it just doesn't. I, I I'm not. Super stoked about it. Uh, Trucker is good though. Tr- Trucker actually trades profitably with Heat because you get a guaranteed two for one, and it just obviously you get a guaranteed two for one or better with Kuda. But the fact is that Kuda they get to wait, right? Like they just get to wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and they hit the the Kuda and they just attack you with Merkdal for lethal in the same turn, right? That's kind of the play pattern that happens with Kura. With Tile Striker, they can't, right? Like, they had to kill it on sight, which forces them to... Because, obviously, if they don't kill it on sight, they just lose to it. <laughs> because it starts drawing cards, it starts to grow, and they'll, it gets to a point where it's it's just too much value, right? So, that is kind of how it feels. Um, still, the Merkle matchup is not great. And the now the grief uh, scam matchup is not great either, and the creativity matchup is like okay, but like you're not necessarily excited to see creativity either. So the the only issue that um, that amulet has right now is that it has no decks to pry on. So it's just like a good deck that has two very bad matchups amongst the top decks, 
and then some like not great matchups as well but you're not really beating anything like you're beating hammer but there's not that much hammer so that's i mean it's in a weird spot right now yeah i just i want to make a quick note on on kura i read this and i thought this was great blood moon tech because i was like oh yeah like you know kills the merc tide and then it dies and then you get your basics but it costs green green so it's not like you have to get it down before blood moon or else you already have green green for titan anyway so it's not really solving the blood moon problem yeah it's weird yeah it's weird i mean it it works when you ha- when you're playing steve which uh which mistaken is not right because steve just guarantees that you have access to your forest so yeah i i'm, I'm not sold on the card i'm not sold on the card i like tyler tracker though i think the tracker may be bound for for a comeback maybe maybe 15th place, Harden Scales. This feels, um, and this is uh, this is to quote Mr. Seri, which is a very, very good Scales player uh, that he posted on Twitter the other day, and I read and I, I thought it was hilarious because it felt very, very true. Harden Scales is the Yakmoth of nowadays, which is like this deck that is secretly pretty good, but like nobody plays it because whenever anybody tries to play it, they lose because it's so hard to play. <laughs> I okay, I can see that. I I I guess my thing with this deck is, what do you gain by playing this instead of just hammer, right? Because you're vulnerable to a lot of the same stuff. So where where does this deck do better or worse than hammer? Well, yes, but. Not so. It's not so easy, right? Like, sure, Force of Vigor is obviously great against this deck, but you're playing some Welding Jars and like Throne of Geth and stuff like that. So, like, it's not that you're excited to play against Force, but you have better game than Hammer does, I think. I mean, like, both decks are vulnerable to like EE and Dress Down and Force of Vigor. Right, like, and I don't know that. Oh, I've got a couple of welding jars. Necessarily changes that. Well, I mean, patch patchwork automaton is a card I've been very impressed with. Yeah, uh, like it just makes things really awkward <laughs> on your on your opponent. Like War Three is very very close to hexproof, <laughs> at least closer than it seems. Oh, for sure. No, th- this card's very good. Like I I've seen this thing in action, and it's like. You know, they they go like turn one scales, turn two patchwork plus, you know, welding jar or something, and it's like, hey, I, you know, the 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 turn it attacks you, it's like a five five, and you can't even target it. Yeah, no, it, it's been I I I've lost to this car the other day, <laughs> so I know I know very well what it can do, and it's just that right. If your opponent's playing terminates and like fatal pushes and in holy heats. I feel like you'd rather be on the. I guess maybe in Holy Heat, no. But if your if your opponent is playing like hard removal, I feel like you'd better be on this deck than in Hammer, right? So it's slightly better against like Shadow slash Black Red than Hammer is. Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, as an amulet player, I'm much more scared of playing against this deck than playing against Hammer. 
interesting. Because against hammer, I just blow up the hammers and that's it. Yeah. Right? There's there's no threat. There's nothing I'm losing to. While here, it's just like, okay, I have to kill the walking ballista. And then they play a Ravager. And it's just like, okay, now I guess I have to kill the Ravager too. And then they, you know, they play hard. It's just like, damn it, now I have to play. <laughs> Do I lose to that now? Um, so I feel like this deck is more resilient. Like, it has more cards that matter. Whereas in in Hammer, Hammer itself is what makes the other cards matter. Yeah. So well, there's also like Coldra, I guess, if they're on that, and, and and Saga, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I think that this deck is interesting, but like, but this deck is just it's really hard to play. I tried playing this deck and it was it was embarrassing. <laughs> it was it was really embarrassing. So when you see somebody that get that really knows how to play the deck, it's 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 a real it's a yeah. real thing. Yeah, I remember playing a little bit of this back when Mox Opal was a thing, and this was a good deck then. Um, yeah, I will say the the big thing with this deck that I I always like didn't want to do was like hardened scales math just. Like I just hated it. It was like okay, like I feel like you'll you'll play like especially now because the deck isn't that popular. You might just be like facing lethal, and you don't even know it. No, particularly with the oscillate, the the oscillate really messes up math because the tokens go onto the oscillate, and then um, but they don't they don't grow when they go into the oscillate. But then from the oscillate, they go into the creature, and they actually get the extra tokens when it goes into the creature so it's like it's really awkward and you have all of these things like sabas uh, makes it so your ravager triggers uh, get get buffed but your sabas themselves triggers don't get buffed unless you legend rule the sabas in which case it sees the other one it's a mess (laughs) (laughs) it's an absolute mess so yeah it's a very cool deck it's a very very cool deck all right, 16th place, Rhinos with Leyland Binding. I feel like these decks are just misbuilt, and I am not going to be fixing it. <laughs> you, you don't like 23 lands, right? I don't like 23 lands, and I don't like 4 Sino Draco. I think this card is just really bad. Interesting. I actually like this card. I, I, I don't like 23 lands. but So the issue with Sino Draco is that it's just really awkward because it's a really bad top deck. In, in the deck. So, like, you're, it's only good when you play it on turn two because it's something that you get to play on curve, right? But then, once you get to turn three, it's just like, you're, you want to be casting Shardless Agents and, and Violent Outburst. So, at that point, things get a little bit more awkward because, like, it doesn't really fit the curve. And also, it doesn't pitch to Fury, which is also kind or of force. awkward. Like, yeah. Or Force. So you don't really have that many cards. Like it, you need to cut cards that pitch to those cards, like Bone Crusher Giant, in, in order to play the sign of Draco. Yeah, and I I feel like you're just not getting the payoff. That's that's kind of the issue that I have with the card. Yeah, I mean this list is playing the Fury still. I know we've seen some that didn't, but you know there's only let's see four, eight, ten, and just ten non-Fury red cards. So. Which does feel a little bit on the low side. It's definitely on the low side. <laughs> it's it's very much on the low side. But 
Yeah, I mean, the deck is just strong enough that you can have it misbuilt and still do well with it, right? Yeah. If you if you find the right cards in the right time, you you, you may just win anyway. Uh, so 17 plays, more more Merc Tide. Uh, we're just gonna breeze through the through this real quickly. Uh, 18th place, uh, Living End. Uh, no weirdo tech or anything like that. 19th place, uh, this is another uh, creativity version this time with like Transmogrify, Mana Leak, uh, kind of a kind of a more out there version of the list of, of the deck. Um, another uh, Scam deck in 20th place, very similar to the ones that we, we already discussed. Uh, 21st place, we have some uh, more crushing footfalls, but this time it's straight up Teamer with main deck Blood Moons. So this is uh, more of a classic approach to Rhinos, which honestly feels pretty reasonable, right? It's weird because I think Leyline Binding is really good in Rhinos, but I also think that Blood Moon is as good as it's been in a long time. So you kind of have to make that trade-off. Yeah, you kind of have to figure out what what it is that you want to you want to be beating, I guess. Um, 22nd place, uh, this is uh, the similar version of the deck like that we talked about, but this one's playing Omneth instead of Jace like the previous one was playing. Dude, like 20, 23 lands with Omneth is just... Oh, it's heinous. Yeah, th- th- this Blech. is like... What this person did is they were playing Yorinos before and Yorion's <laughs> gone. Yeah. yeah, for real, for real. Um, yeah, and this one is playing Solitude instead of um, instead of Fury, which is why we see a two violent outbursts, two ardent plea in this deck list, oh, yeah. which honestly makes sense, right? Like if you if you want to go the Solitude route, I feel like that makes sense, but you're taking a pretty significant hit in terms of the power level that you're giving up, and you still have this stupid sign of Dracos, which don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, twenty uh, third place, another hardened scales. Dude, is it is it time? Is it the time for the scales to to come back? I really want to. I really want for this deck to be good. I I don't know. I don't know, man. Like I I don't necessarily buy it. I I feel like we have this deck instead of hammer in this event. I don't know why, but but we do. <laughs> yeah. 24th place, this is some um, uh, blue-white control. Actually, very classic looking blue-white control. I mean, classic as in, you know, the the Waffle revolution when he added Chalice of the Voids to blue-white and everybody just lost their shit, right? Uh, but yeah, some verdicts, some Archmage's Charms, and some Dress Down and some Shark Typhoons. Obviously, th- this is the hero deck right now. This is, this is what the hero <laughs> deck looks like nowadays. But I mean, I feel like a pretty big, de- a pretty big reason that these decks uh, are good is because Hallowed Moonlight is messed up, and this feels like one of the best Hallowed Moonlight decks uh, to ever exist. Oh yeah, you you love to cast one white draw card, instant speed, baby. Oh dude, oh so, oh so sexy, so sexy. <laughs> I also get to protect it with counter magic. Like, dude, this is like such a great Hallowed Moonlight deck. Anyway, twenty uh, fifth place, more scam. And more random numbers. Uh, 26th place, uh, more not scam red black. Uh, this one a little bit cleaner, not messing around with um, skeletal. the uh, skeletal. 
and just go in with like a bunch of season pyromancers and you know monkeys croxa more hard removal in and holy heat pretty pretty clean looking mid-range red blacklist uh, 27th place some more uh, living end main deck subtlety uh, 28th place this is some <laughs> john saga with soul of wind grace dude this bad boy made it dude this is musasabi who's always doing cool stuff i actually played against them so i i got to play against this deck and it it looked pretty decent i i i feel like i didn't i don't know man like I remember when he assassins. I think it's a he when, when Musabi assassins trophied me, and I was like, I had to like do a double take. I was like, you know, like what you're in 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 this year, you're you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you gotta kill Merc that region, right? But not with Terminate. I, I mean, I don't know. Oh, it kills Leyline Binding. I, I guess I guess that's the idea, but then then you give them a land, and then they're like, "Okay, hey, Omnath triggers," or "Oh, hey, I have more mana for expressive iteration," or I yeah, I, it goes. It doesn't go good well for you after that for sure. This list looks fun though. Yeah, this, no, is, this is this is the kind of deck list that I that I could I could see myself playing. Uh, I would probably play uh, a Springleaf Drop in it though. Yeah, it it looked pretty good. I mean, they had multiple Nihil spell bombs in play against me, and and then you know my saga popped and needled their spell bombs, and then I went off. But kind of interest you in one cyborg Nimada Primeval Warden. Out of all the cards from Dominaria United, this is definitely not in the top let's say 20 cards that I expected to see in a modern showcase top 8, but here we are. Uh, top 32, sorry. This is but the first time I've read that card. <laughs> yeah. Nemada Primeval Warden 2, black green for a 3-4 legendary creature, Trifolk, reach. If your creature and opponent controls would die, exile it instead, and when you do, you create a 1-1 green sapling creature token. For 1 green, you sack a sapling and it gets plus 2, plus 2 until the end of turn, and for 1 black, you sack 2 saplings and you draw a card. Um, this is a bomb unlimited. It's kind of unbeatable unlimited, but... It's like Kalitas, but... Yeah, Kalitas but easier to cast. Is it easier to cast? In this deck, it is. I don't know. I don't know if I'm convinced green-black is that much easier than black-black. I mean, if you're getting duels, right? Yeah. You're, you're playing Ren and Six. I guess, yeah, you have to play... You like, are Ren and Six there, there's so... There's the Seiju and Forest and... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely easier to cast. These are the kind of decks that the card field of the Mirror Breaker being good enables. Um, I love it. Uh, 29th place, this is Eldracitron. W- will this deck ever change? Nah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, okay, I feel like, you know how Legacy used to have mud, like Stompy Mud was like a, a tiered deck in like, I don't know, I don't know how long ago it was now. I 2016? Like yeah. 17 so, so, or something? Some, a while ago. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. Um, I feel like Etron is the same deal, where it's like, this deck was good, and it can still do some things, but I like in a, in some ways it's kind of like burn in that sense too, right? Where it's like 
Not that much has changed. They're still trying to do it. It feels super underpowered for where modern's at. But, like, sometimes you just get there. I don't know, man. Like, I just am not at all afraid of... Like, I like what deck are you playing where you're like, oh, no. It's, like, like if I wasn't afraid of it as, like, the artifact combo deck against, like, Karn the deck, like... Who is? Karn plus Chalice the deck. Right, right. Like, you have eight <laughs> main deck hate cards, and I was like, sick, Etron. Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess the between Chalice and Warping Whale, you're good against Cascade, I guess? I, I don't even know if you are. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chalice, it feels like it has lost so much stock because of Leyland Binding versus Cascade decks. Well, like... Just in general, right? Like you have like Leyline Binding and Beseju and, force and Prismatic Ending, Force of Like so many cards, I, f- I feel, make, make these prison-style cards so much worse now. Uh, anyway, 30th place, uh, more Rhinos, more Sign of Dracos, and more 23 lands. Not a fan still. Uh, 31st place, Burn. Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever see any burn list changing ever it's like that that dumb thing people say like never change man never change and burn, <laughs> burn was on it they're like you know they're they're like the, the 20 22 year old going out to party and it's like they're showing up they're 40 they're like man why like why aren't you going out every night of the week what's going on like i still got my lava spikes they're in the car they're ready to go man <laughs> let's go let's go man let's go oh man and i mean I feel like the worst the worst thing that happened to Burn Innovation is when Lurus was banned, and now it's just like, oh yeah, we have nothing to talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing else to discuss. Well, okay, okay, hold up, hold up. So Red, <laughs> in my opinion, I and I think a lot of people would agree that Red is just the best color in, in modern right now, right? It's, I don't think there's, there's an argument. Right. And Burn is mostly red like you're splashing white except they don't play any of the good red cards like like okay <laughs> some of the best red cards ren and six expressive iteration you're playing neither some of the best mono red cards you've got ragman you've got drc you got fable unholy heat <laughs> unholy heat you're not playing any of these cards like like i why is it that you're like man goblin guide is the truth but ragavan sucks like i i i do not understand. I mean, some people just love the this deck, man. I don't think there's there's anything else. I mean, the only thing that Burn has going for it is that because it hasn't changed in like six years or something, it's that people can still play it. You know, like the people who own it are like, yeah, I'll just show up to a tournament and play it. But Easy. Well, also, people don't play that much Burn hate because nobody plays Burn. So it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't... Yeah. Because it sucks. <laughs> um, okay, so last deck, 32nd place. We have DRC, Ledger Shredder, Monastery, Swiss Spear, Soul Scar, Mage, alongside Expressive Iteration, Lava Dart. May I interest you in four copies of Mutagenic Growth, one Bay per Snag, and three Underworld Breach. If it's broken in one deck, it can also be broken in this deck. This, uh, this was the person that the cat incident happened against. Oh, wow. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, I 
I think this deck is kind of reasonable. I was impressed by how good Breach is in this deck. Let me, let me put it like that. I'm not sold on the Shredders. That that part, I'm like... Huh. <laughs> um, so you're trying to be like super aggro with like fucking mutagenic roads and stuff, but you're playing Shredder, which it's a two mana one three on turn two. You, you play the bobble and then it's a two four. Yeah, and then your opponent taps some prismatic ending it, and like they, you know, it's. I, I don't know, man. Great. Like this is. <laughs> I, I don't know why you would play this deck now. I feel like it's like trying to do similar things as burn. But they're like, I'm still relevant, I promise. And I'm like, you know, aggressively looking over the list. I'm like, where's the Modern Horizons card? Where are they? <laughs> to be fair, Explosive Iteration and Ledger Shredder are honorary Modern Horizon cards. But yeah. And Breach. Yeah, Breach. Definitely Breach. All right, so that wraps up these, uh, this event. Um, showcases are, are fun, dude. Like, I'm, I'm really sad that I was not able to play in this one. Yeah. I will. I want to. I want to make one last point on it before we move on, which is that there were a decent number of Kahira decks. I think it was just the one Gigantha deck, and then there was no Obosh or any of the other companions. So, I really think you're going to be seeing if you see a companion at all anymore, it's Kahira or Gigantha. Yeah. So I guess those are the new the next ones to get banned. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Those are the next ones to get mad. No, I mean, it's it's it, it honestly sucks, man. I really feel like... Because they are the two companions that are only played because they're free. Mm-hmm. Which is... I don't know. It feels like such a... That's like the... How can I say it? What am I trying to say here? That's like the the ribbon on the, on the, the, the <laughs> present, you know? In terms of like, this is a pile of shit. Uh, you know, it, it feels it feels so bad that yeah there were two good ones that we clearly had no idea what we were doing and we had to ban them and now you are left with you know all the crumbs which are like these the only ones that see play are the ones that are basically free to play it's like no deck building requirements at all like that, that, that I feel is where they really missed with the deck building requirements that I think that I feel is where they they really missed the mark by so much. They're technically there, you know. Like I'm over here, like man, grape shot versus Thassa's Oracle, so that I can play Gigantha. Like they, they they like exist in like the tiniest way, but not really. And honestly, it's like you're not really playing the card because you're like, oh, my deck wants this. It's like, hey, I could just have a free card, so I should. Yeah, and that's that's the lame thing, you know. Like Obosh, I think is the only one that is just like, okay, yeah, this one, this one actually hit hit in, in hit the nail in the head, you know. Like this one is like a relevant card that I want to be playing in the kind of decks that it incentivizes, but I'm paying a real cost to play it. Like not having two drops means that I don't have access to cards that I may very well want to play, you know? Like, there are some pretty messed up two-mana cards that I may want to play in my Obosh deck, like, I don't know, Expressive Iteration or, you know, Random Six. Uh, like, these are very real costs that you're playing, uh, th- that you're paying in order to play with your companion. I feel like that is how all of the other companions should have been. 
But all the other ones miss the mark by so much, by being just basically no requirement whatsoever. Uh, and then like the effect was completely over the top in Lurus and Yurion. And then we have these other ones where, I mean, we're just playing because I guess we have to, because it's a free card that it's not great, but it's a free card, you know, so I can cycle it away for free with my Shredder or like with my Fable or whatever. It just feels lame, dude. It just feels, I think lame is like the, the, the most accurate word that I can think of for how I feel about this. I, I'm so ready for the ban on one of these. It's going to be like, we've banned Kahira because players found it unfun when their opponents revealed Kahira and they knew that they were going to be counterspelled. <laughs> like that, that that's gonna be what it is it's gonna be some like dumb reason that like and, and that's the thing is like i welcome the ban but also like just just admit it just just come out and be like all right companions suck my bad yeah i feel like that would that is i think what i i wish had happened it's just like all companions are banned from all formats we fucked up Let's move on, <laughs> you know? Like, how how insane is it that we've had dominance of two, you know, first Luris and then Yorion, dominance of these cards after we've already had them errated, right? Like, like Luris and Yorion got to be basically banned twice, where yep. you, you had Luris, and then you had Luris cost three more mana, and it still had to be banned. Same with Yorion. Like, you're you're paying eight mana for a four or five flyer, eight mana. Yeah, they really miss the mark by that much, which is mind-boggling. <laughs> like you you would think that they would know better, but they really like it was nowhere. It was nowhere close to reasonable, which is, I I think it's the worst design mechanic of all time. I think it's the the most embarrassing mechanic that they ever made the the companion scale instead of the storm scale big time yeah by so much they still printing storm cards to this day dude yeah like whether the storm is a storm card right those are fine like nobody is asking for whether the storm to be banned fluster storm is a staple of basically every format right the storm mechanic is not fine it's just like obviously they hit. They missed the mark on on freaking uh, tendrils and like those cards. But I mean, it's funny when you think about it because you're like, oh yeah, you know, this card like a storm mechanic is annoying because you just get multiple of them. You can't counter it. You know, it incentivizes you to do what play the game, and then you're like, here's a companion. This one, like, what the, what's the cost again? You're like. I lost a sideboard card. Yeah. Build your deck correctly and you get to play Lurus. Excellent. <laughs> Great cost. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Good job, Wizards. Great job. Anyway, let's just stop this rant. And we're going to go over the challenge, the challenge results as well. But we're approaching the two-hour mark. So I guess we're just going to skip it for this week. We're sorry. But... Um, you didn't miss too much, except that Blue White won the whole thing, and uh, the there was uh, the Sue deck in second place, which I think is really cool, by the way. 
Like, okay, let's just talk about the, the domain suit for just a little bit. Because I think, I think this deck is really fun. It's basically like the the new comeback of um, the counter cat archetype. So you're playing like wild cattles and like random two drops, like the show up roller and like sign of Draco and territorial cabal. But then you're backing it up with like stubborn denial, remand. Although I'm, I don't know, the remand, but like stubborn denial and like ley line <laughs> binding and tribal flames. So. This deck, I played it, I played it, like, two weeks ago, but a week or two ago, and it was so much fun, dude. Like, this deck is really, really cool. I'm not sure how great it actually is, but I'm really, really happy that some people are trying it. I mean, I'm sure that it isn't great, but but yes. Um, I will say, so the, you know, we, we're not going to go in, in, in the depth that we did for that other one, but for that, the top 32 breakdown, we can do a little bit and just say... Black Red Scam was the most represented top 32 archetype. We had three dredge show up. So people trying to dredge again. Um, Scam was also the most performing deck. So X2 or better. Dredge was right underneath it at two copies. Um, Your counter cat did get two copies in X2 or better, which is impressive. I don't understand how that happened. But we've got all sorts (laughs) of nonsense in here. There was... uh, you know, a Jeskai Breach list, there's Grixis Goblins, there's a BTL deck, there's Mill making a comeback, I guess, somehow. I guess no Yorion, so time to Mill, boys. Yeah, but I think that one very clear thing that you also need, do you always need to make sure that you point out whenever you're talking about the Sunday challenge as opposed to the Saturday one, is that this is a lot less people, right? So... Like sixteenth place was and, and like lower than that were people that went four and three, so that's not a super insane win rate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just like fine, obviously, but it was an eighty person challenge. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like basically the top. Uh, it was three, five, and twos got into the top eight, and then like five and twos go all the way to seventeenth place, and then. 18th place and lower are four and three, so it's a lot easier to top 32 this one <laughs> than oh, the previous sure. one. <laughs> sure. I mean, for, for comparison, Boy, a lot. The, the showcase is 306 players. This was 80. Yeah, big, big difference. So, yeah, it's, it's always the Sunday challenges are a lot weirder and a lot less, I don't, I don't want to say less relevant, but like they tell a less clear story about the modern about the modern metagame, in my opinion. I don't think it's that they tell a less clear story about the metagame. I think it's that they tell a less clear story about the winner's metagame. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Modern feels feels pretty decent right now. I wish Amulet were more playable, but besides that, it feels like it's in a good spot. Which yeah. is something that surprises me. Like, I, I've seen... You know, people like like Doomwake and a lot I, I feel this like also talked about by a bunch of other players, which is just people are hating on modern. I'm just like, are are we are we playing the same format? <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean I'm excited again. Maybe it's just because I found a deck I'm enjoying. And I'm saying this as like, you know, taxes hasn't even been relevant in a while. And banning Yorion is actually like a huge horrible thing. <laughs> yeah. For that, like, it was like, you know, they're, they're like rolling around in, in like tier three dirt. And then they were like, 
let's take this this away from you. You don't deserve this. You don't you don't need Yorion anymore. Um, the only good thing about that is that I don't have to get into dumb arguments with the sixty card truthers. I mean, I'm sure they're out there celebrating and they're like, you know, finally everyone realizes that sixty cards is the truth. Like, I kind of want to go five zero a league with eighty card taxes. <laughs> Just, like just because like there's no Yorion just like just because I can do it nice 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 love it let's wrap it up dude any any final thoughts any final things to to share nah man I just I want to get out there and breach I gotta like I want to like buy this deck in paper that like that that's how much I'm enjoying this and I'm I like really shouldn't do that because we all know that Renin six was the card that should have been banned just now yep but like Dang, man, this deck is, it's so cool. There's so many decisions. Like I, I streamed again. I hadn't even streamed in like a while. So yeah. where did you stream though? Oh, I streamed on Twitch. Uh, you might be able to find a spider spasa on, <laughs> on Spider <Twitch>. spasa? <laughs> I'm also, uh, also on Twitter. I, I did a tournament report. If you want to see a little bit more details there, um, seeing other people yell at me, ask me questions, Spiderspace MTG on, on Twitter. All right. And you can find me playing some pre-modern. Hell yeah. Actually, I'm really into it right now. I'm going to be playing my first pre-modern tournament this weekend in paper, and I'm really, really stoked. I wanted to play Stifle Knot, but I guess the cards are not going to arrive here in time, so I'm going to play something else. And it doesn't matter whatsoever, because it's going to be an incredible time. The format is delightful, and the community is fantastic, and I, I can't wait. I'm so, so excited. So going to be doing that this weekend. Really looking forward to it. Um, but in the meantime, you can find my content at couple of different places. I've been streaming on Tuesdays and uh, Thursdays for the most part at twitch.tv slash F-P-A-W-L-U-S-Z. That is F-Pavluge. And then you can find uh, all my bots and also some exclusive YouTube videos on YouTube. That is youtube.com slash F-Pavluge-MTG. And you can find me on Twitter and on Patreon at F-Pavluge-MTG as well. This has been an extremely long episode of Mishra's Bubble. If you're still here... Good for you, I guess. Uh, thank you. And Love we'll you. see you in the next... Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you sure? Are you, are you okay? <laughs> we'll see you in the next one. Thank you for being here and listening. And take care, everyone. Bye-bye.